Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. Welcome to the Sensual Sessions, the place to be to sense your fire so you can share the flame. And today we have a very special guest. This is William Hedberg. He's uh, an extraordinary human being, a dancer, an inventor, a mover, and welcome to be here, William. It's, it's an honor. It's an honor to come talk with you. How should we begin? Tell us a little bit about your inventions. Oh, uh, they can be called many things. Uh, sometimes I call them toys so that uh, we don't take any of the industry of exercise equipment too seriously. Um, they are tools. You can use them for anything you want. Uh, some people would use them for just muscular level. To me, they're a, a container to go into a kind of relationship with myself where I can be quiet, where I can use movement as a, as a like plugging in a cable into my computer, if this is my computer. Um, it's a context for getting to understand whatever is coming up in me, uh, mentally, creatively, emotionally, sensually, as a human being. But it's also got a, a, a delightful opportunity to communicate back, back to this creature and say, like a horse, let's try here. Let's try building the skill for this or that. To me, the important part is the relationship between the two sides of me. This one here who likes to tell the world how to be and this one who is the world and doesn't always like to be told how to be. So it's a context for, uh, for couples counseling so that I have a, a good memory. There, there's no conflict in the family. A good connection with the self. Love, love the image of your movement apparatus, your inventions as that container for yourself. And the other day we were talking about something very meaningful and important that prompted me to invite you to these essential sessions. That is also a container in a way, and you call it. Um, contextually appropriate intimacy. What is that? Uh, everybody knows what it is if we point to the right memories. Um, the words are just a description because sometimes it's helpful to have a description. So when I was describing working out on the equipment and that there are two levels of me, there's a thinking mind and then there's an animal mind, a mammal, right? The part of me that's a mammal. The goal of affecting and changing either this creature and his physiology and his coordination patterns and his blockages is contingent on, dependent on how intimate I can become with him. How inside of the experience that this emotional and physical thing that breathes when I'm asleep and keeps my heart beating for a lifetime, whatever that intelligence is, to me, for many of us, I think for you as well, um, intimacy with that presence, that level of life, that level of neurological, perceptual, attentive processing of, of experience is essential. We, we go kind of crazy if we go up into our head too much, right? That's... Uh, there's a certain political party in America that likes to live up here. 
Um, anyone living up here coming from their head, oh, you know, you hear somebody say, ah, oh, he's up in his head, she's up in her head. And it, it means that they're in, a, in an artificial world they've made up in stories and victimhood and lots of nonsense. And, but intimacy on a kinesthetic level, whether it comes from training on the toys I like to build or the Pilates equipment that's behind you, um, or in the, you know, arguably for my money, one of the most wonderful experiences, like intimacy with another partner, um, changes, changes everything. So intimacy is about a kind of permeating connection with something. There are places in the world, if you go sit on the cliffs and you look at the sunset and the ocean and the whales in the ocean and look down at, at, the, at the beaches, you know, 300 feet below and there's no one around and there's this feeling of intimacy with the sunset and all of life, right? And people call that, oh, that's a spiritual intimacy. I don't know what spiritual means, but <laughs> I know what it's like to feel intimate with, with, with nature. Um, the training that I like to do or, or meditation practice where, where I or someone is scanning their body is back to that intimacy with self. Um, intimacy can be with anything. It's, it's a description of, I think, in part, how we use as our senses to pay attention to that, what that we are intimate with. Um, I inherited my mother's cat when my mother passed away, and she periodically has a need for intimacy. It's not she has a need to be petted. She has a need for the life in her to be bonded with, to merge, at least in our experience, for a few minutes, while I scratch her behind the ears, to feel as if we are one, as if we are connected. So when I said at the beginning of this, everyone knows what this means. Everyone has their places where they get to be intimate with some part of life. Um, if you hold a newborn baby, <laughs> you know, oh my God, the sense of intimacy with that creature, there's this, oh my goodness, I don't want to hurt this thing, <laughs> it's so fragile. Um, the intimacy is about collecting information from and allowing access information of. So I had a computer person come onto my computer today. We put in a special program and it meant that he and his remote location could be aware of what was in my computer. He could move the mouse around, he could change the screen. He was being intimate with my computer by penetrating, by being inside its mechanism, by having his ability to see what was on the screen and to hear what was in the code. So to me, intimacy is about taking our senses, and aiming them at someone or something. I think it's our only hope of peace. I think it's our only hope of happiness. It's how I believe I was successful in recovering from my hip replacement so quickly, is that I dedicated a lot of hours every day to being intimate through movement, whether you call it Moshe Feldenkrais work or the stuff on my tools or contact improvisation. They're all about paying attention to something, something alive. And when, when we do that, something goes, something opens up, something, everything works better. Um, when I do body work, I do a lot of very, well, I used to before COVID, a lot of very deep tissue body work. 
I did everything I could to be as intimate as possible with the muscle. If it was a lover, I would be as intimate as possible with the skin. If I was doing contact improvisation or modern dance and lifting my partner, I would be as intimate as possible with their bones, with their weight. So intimacy is a lifestyle. <laughs> it's the choice to be in the real world, attending to things that are either inside us, the life inside us, or like my mother's cat here, um, the life outside us. And if you're privileged to be with a lover, I, you know, you, you can have sex with someone without intimacy. How do you do that? Well, you don't put your attention really on them. But you can also have intimacy with a single kiss or, or with a touch of the hand. How do you do that? Well, because somehow you're attentive and absorbed by and in love with, if you want to use that language, that unit of life. So intimacy, I think, has been kind of overemphasized in the sexual context which I think is unfair because I think most sex is not intimate the way most people apply it. And that the rest of life is equally, well, not, not, nothing, is, nothing compares to intimacy with a partner, but there's a lot of potential to be intimate with the rest of life. They are, they are so, the world is summoning you. <laughs> the world can go away. <laughs> At the point of, of that, we use the phrase contextually appropriate. And I try to be intimate with everything that I touch, every person I look at. I'm trying to be as intimate with myself in this conversation and with what I can see in this, this computer screen. Because I know life is precious. We're all going to pass away. And our only real hope is to be as intimate with life as possible while we're here. Yes, but tell us, tell us a little exercise, practice, advice, something to overcome the fear of intimacy, be it with a partner or contextually appropriate with the becoming one with the sunset. Because in my experience, this this intimacy as you wisely said, implies the attention on, on in you first of all, like with your hip replacement and in, in the sunset, in the skin of the beloved, behind the ears of the kitty cat. And that opening is also, is, it's, it's an opening to witness and perceive what's there. So that can be fearful. Like, well, okay, let, let, let me get intimate and look, like, just look at my belly rolls and I don't know, the wrinkles and whatever that women are like super, we are super bombarded on, on our appearance. So when you become intimate with the pores of your skin and it's like, can be super, overwhelming and yeah how can we overcome the fear of intimacy i really appreciate where you went with that that was brilliant 
I, I think that's um, that's a, a stage that I haven't thought about in a while. Um, my response is absolutely, it's terrifying. It's unbearable. Um, I have my, so to speak, my emotions, my heart, whatever you want to call it. And uh, having just lost my mother uh, a few months ago, there is and are emotions in my soul, my heart, my body, whatever, whatever label you want to put it, that are unbearably painful. And it interferes with my capacity to be intimate with myself because if I go in there, I know what I will find. Um, I have a very short list of ideas and mostly what I want to do is honor the point you just made, which is, yeah, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Of course, you have complete freedom. It is fucking terrifying on a certain level. We all know this, you know, if you're over 18, you've probably had your heart broken once and then you have this opportunity with someone new and it's terrifying. If it's not terrifying, you're not paying attention. Of course it's terrifying. Um, I'm intimate with this cat. And when this cat passes away, I don't ever want to have a cat again because the intimacy of, comes with loss and pain of death. Um, to be intimate with someone is to open yourself up to letting them stab you in the back, uh, betray you, curse you. And those are all utterly totally valid fears. There's no question about it. I have a short list of really only two or three suggestions that I use. And then I want to come back to the fact that it's, it's, it, it's not really okay to try and make it not terrifying. But here are two techniques. Um, the first is from the tradition of one of my mentors. It's called proper naming. Proper naming. And it's where we might want to use the language skills that we have to first register what is this fear I have? What is it of? And then to externalize it in language, either to the person who's scaring the fuck out of us or just to a therapist or a beloved one. Um, I have a bit of a shy side and whenever I'm with a new lover I usually have my shy side come up and is terrified on the first night together and so I I tend to make a joke and say I need to properly name something here you are so beautiful and so attractive and you're bringing up all my insecurity and I think you're just absolutely amazing and usually by doing by that point in the conversation I'm ready to get past it all and make love yeah I've given it some space. Someone once said, if you want freedom from something, spend a little time with it. The other is used in the traditions of certain cultures uh, for deep therapeutic work, usually using medicinal plants. And it's this idea that you can create a kind of parallel or complementary positive feeling, joy, whatever, that can be something to counterbalance the negativity or the fear 
or the terrifying nature of whatever we're trying to be intimate with. Um, that's another longer conversation, but I believe in that as well because oftentimes my mind pulls away from things like a finger from a candle flame. You know, I tell my finger, no, stay in the candle flame, it'll be fine. And some part of me reacts. And I think anyone who's ever loved someone has that same accord of, okay, the love is the candle flame. I'm going to put my finger in here and now I'm too scared. I need to run away for a little while. Those were the two suggestions, the, the proper naming and then to create something that was so positive that you could handle some negative. But I said, I wanted to come back and wrap that up with, I don't think that we should try and necessarily make that fear and terror go away because it's real. I think we just need to do it the fuck anyway and be terrified and be scared because life hurts and love and sensuality and all of those wonderful things are like a rose. They have a petal and they have a thorn. And if we miss the fact that it's gonna hurt like hell, there's a song lyric, if you have loved, then you have cried. Um, we're kind of missing how, I don't use this word very much, but how sacred it is, how in the face of inevitable death, right? We're gonna lose everybody and everything we might as well get some goddamn cookies while we're here. We should have some connection. Yes. Don't worry, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be taken from you. You're gonna be betrayed. They're gonna die. You're gonna die. Be intimate anyway, because yes. it's all we can. Yes, we don't have anything to lose anyway. So why, why, why not? We, we, we could risk losing the experience of fully being here by being shut down? I think being shut down is the worst condition in life to be. I think it's worse than being in pain. If we're in pain, then we've lost something we cared about or okay. some variation. To me, intimacy takes discipline. I can't have a wandering mind because I have to pay attention in this case to you. I can't be caught up in my issues, so I have to work on my shit so that I can pay attention to you. Um, it takes a lot of practice. I think of training on Pilates as a an exercise and I will control my attention. I will put it in these muscles. I will put it in these patterns. If you can do that, you can pay attention in bed. Um, it's a choice, it's a lifestyle. It takes a shitload of work. It takes a lot of courage. It takes tons of support, you know? You meet someone new, you want to open them up, opened up to them, you, you, you're, you're scared. Um, you know, go talk to your best friend about how scared you are. <laughs> find a way, find a way. Yes. And the term contextually appropriate intimacy says, our need for intimacy is so large, it's not fair to burden only our sexual partner with that. It's about being intimate with the person who sells you your groceries, or in your case, the people upstairs. How connected can you be to them? How compassionate can you be to the fact that they're breathing in dust and maybe the the, the poop of mouse that, that's stored up there, you know? Poop of owls. Owls, owl poop. Yes, I've seen your, your Owl, text. mouse, poop, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> 
if I reserved my need for intimacy only for my sexual context, I think my partner would feel that I was asking too much of her. I was too needy. I was too clingy. Um, it's my need for connectedness is so huge. <laughs> but I also have learned that if I reach too deeply into people without their permission, they run away. <laughs> yeah, or, or the cat or the grocery people or someone else like being deeply intimate with you when when you are dealing with with your life. It's like the the context, the discernment to make intimacy contextually appropriate is um, giving yourself like this openness for intimacy without clinging to, to your best friend or or to your mom if you you are like codependent or to your job like intimate with my with my work and I have like all the recognitions but in my personal relationships nothing so it's like opening intimately the the discernment on the appropriateness of the context allows for an intimate opening to the whole world this is fantastic william this view of contextually appropriate intimacy is something that will support you in life starting with being intimate with you because in a certain way there's no way to escape feeling what you're feeling and going through what you're going through and when you develop like this disposition for intimacy with with your beloved with your friends with your family with your neighbors with the sunset and especially with the circumstances going on without trying to minimize them or making them what they are not like in a way for me that is to be alive like fully alive for for the time being still so tell us how can we learn more from you how can we work with you how can we find you what a wonderful question cut me completely off guard um like life that's my what great long My greatest longing would be to be able to answer that question. Um, conversations like this are like a baguette for me. They're, they're food, they're, they're nurturance, they're uh, the stuff of life. Um, my story has led me to caring for my mother as she passed away here. And um, I'm now trying to reconnect intimately with the world. Uh, I don't have many inroads to the world outside of my cat. <laughs> um, I'm repairing the computer so that I can begin to uh, do something similar to this wonderful podcast that you're doing. Um, I have my old mailing lists, but uh, I'm suffering in many ways from a lack of intimacy with 
humanity, whether it's students or, or partners or friends. It's one reason that having this, this chat with you is so cool uh, because I'm, I'm a living expert on the need for human intimacy. Um, hopefully I will be able to reestablish a presence in the world professionally. Um, I have my website, of course, uh, shentaustudio.com. Um, you can call me at 347-415-3508. I'd love to chat to anybody who's curious about these ideas. Uh, I'm sure I have as much to learn from anyone I would connect with as anything I could share. It's just, uh, isn't connecting deeply and intimately with people, as we said, the scariest thing, but also the most rewarding thing in life? It is indeed. So essentially, you heard William. Now you have to go find him at shentao.com and call, call him. Or maybe send an, an SMS first because that's like our modern day protocol. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No? You see, you're trying to be sensitive around actually appropriate intimacy. Um, you're saying, oh, to connect too deeply too quickly is inappropriate for the context of not having metal. Um But in my opinion, my choice in lifestyle, fuck that. I, I, anyone is, is welcome into my life, into my world. Uh, it's my great lesson in life to be able to intuit and sense where other people's boundaries are. But um, there's an old joke about Bill. Uh, Bill has boundaries issues. He doesn't know what boundaries are. So I've had to learn the hard way, um, the contextually appropriate. I... I can give the simple example of um, a partner that I had once who said, Bill, I didn't give you permission to know that about me. What can be done? I can feel that about you. <laughs> uh, and yet everybody has things they don't want other people to know about. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kendia. This has been sure. cool and, and really fun. And, yeah. uh, if I had this conversation to do over again, I would listen more than I spoke. Um, I think you obviously have explored yourself. You're very intimate with yourself. You have your own understanding of what these words mean. And um, I hope you'll just keep talking to people about them. The, the whole reference about how scary it is would have escaped me without your feedback. So thank you. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And you're right, you gave the essentialist consent to call you so there you go it's wonderful to have this discernment on contextually appropriate intimacy thank you so much william thank you so much essentialist for being here on the essential sessions podcast if you're not subscribed already please go to centraldepoder.com and get yourself subscribed to get these episodes delivered in your inbox weekly and many more surprises. Until next time, remember to sense your fire so you can share your flame. <laughs>